Hey, and welcome to another episode of My Town. We are actually on episode 11, Love is Communal, and I am joined today by my friend and teammate Stan Wilson, as well as another dear friend of ours that some of you have met, but we're going to reintroduce him. His name is John Grant, and we're going to be spending some time with him today discussing what it means for love to be communal. And so just as a segue into that, we thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about just how our relationships um, have come to be. So many years ago, uh, when I lived in Savannah, Georgia, I had the opportunity just about every Saturday for several summers in a row to mow John Grant's grandfather's yard on this classic snapper riding lawnmower. And it was some of my most beautiful memories. I love, in fact, I love manicuring your grandfather's grass, but uh, it was just a fun time of life. And so John and I didn't know each other then, but our families knew each other. So um, our relationships kind of go back a little, a little ways. And we had the opportunity to reconnect. I don't know, John, how many, how many years ago it was, but it's been a, a fun connection to make again. Um, so um, Stan, I mean, as far as your relationship goes, I know that here in a second we'll segue to that, but let me mention this too. Um, John Grant is with a wonderful ministry and he's going to be telling us about that. And so, and, and, and he's going to be sharing how that fits into what it means for love to be communal. So one of the things that we are continuing to do is continue to have conversations about Luke chapter 10 and the Good Samaritan. And so one of the things that we find about the Good Samaritan is that the, that the care, if you will, for the injured man did not stop once the Samaritan left the scene. In fact, um, he didn't do this alone. He entrusted the, the, the hurt man with the innkeeper. And we're, we assume that there were staff and other people that continued to care for the Samaritan. And so one of the things that we find is that when we love a neighbor, as the Samaritan did, that it's wonderful and good. And um, well, I'm trying to think what the, what the best word is. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to bring other people into that process so that it becomes a communal event. And so I think that may be a wonderful segue into maybe how Stan, you and John know each other that will get us into this conversation. Yeah, I don't uh, go quite as far back as you do, John Micah, with uh, John Grant, as far as mowing yards and such. But uh, <laughs> he was my first long-term spiritual director, so that we spent a lot of time together uh, sitting, sitting with the Holy Spirit and um, journeying together through the Christian journey of formation and transformation, and that was wonderful. Um, and then I, I actually became a, a participant in the Compassionate Hands ministry as well. We both live in in Wilson County, and so therefore we, you know, are kind of on the same side of town. And uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from what John's going to explain, but uh, it takes a it takes a village to uh, to run the Compassionate Hands ministry. And uh, I'd also like to hear from John talking about that, you know, in regards to the uh, Luke chapter ten and what we normally think about as uh, the innkeeper taking care of the of the injured man. It's it's sort of more like a hospital. There's a lot of people involved. It's not just you go and get a room and somebody spends the night and then goes on their way the next day. There's a uh, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people and it's a full time job for sure. Thank you guys. It is good to be with you. And uh, yeah, count both of you dear friends. Uh, I've been blessed. Yeah, for John Mike and our families have been friends for. Uh, generations now. Yes. Dan, you, you and I have been friends for several years. Uh, 
yeah, so grateful for Stan being our driver and a participant in our ministry. So thank you. It's good to be with you guys. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about Compassionate Hands and then how we connect with the Good Samaritan. So Compassion, well, I was on staff at College Hills Church of Christ for 13 years, which is where John Micah's daughter is uh, there. Her son-in-law is our youth minister. But uh, I was on staff there for 13 years. And about seven or eight years ago, um, College Hills is one of the big churches in town. And people would show up at our church and say, hey, we don't have anywhere to stay tonight. Could you put us up? And that got to be really expensive in a hurry. And so we um, couldn't afford to put people up in hotels. And that was becoming true for all the churches in Wilson County, that there were people who were homeless and the churches could not afford to put them all in hotels. And so a group of ministers got together and said, let's see if we could build something together where we're working together, supporting one another. Uh, we got training from Room in the Inn. And uh, in 2013, began serving as uh, the Wilson County version of Room in the Inn. It became Compassionate Hands. Uh, we're now a 501c3 nonprofit uh, with me, full-time staff, and another lady who's full-time staff. And as we're looking towards this winter with a more complicated schedule due to COVID, uh, we're looking at adding our third full-time staff person this winter. So it's been a really exciting ride over these last seven years as the ministry has grown from essentially an, a, a community problem and a few people with ideas to now a ministry that involves 40 churches of all denominations all over the county working together to care for neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. So a problem like homelessness is too big for any one church. I don't care how big your church is. Homelessness is a huge problem and we have to work together for something like this. So, so we're, um, the story, I'm, I'm thrilled that you guys are studying the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a great story. And it's uh, one that we all love and we know it well. I think we resonate with the uh, injured man because we've all been in the ditch, uh, whether through our own bad choices or because life is just tough. We've all experienced times when we were in the ditch. And we've all experienced times when we weren't on our best and we were too busy doing our good religious things to even notice, oh, that person over there needs my help. And we bypassed the chance to serve when God put it in front of us. And then on our best days, we can all relate to that Samaritan. There've been times that we did do the right thing and we stopped. There. So for compassionate hands though, the thing where we connect is there's a fifth person in that story that we often don't notice. Mm. That's the innkeeper. Uh, could have been a woman. Um, you know, women do the work in most societies of the world. So uh, there's this fifth person who's like, hey, you know, there's another person that's involved in this story. And for compassionate hands, that story of the Good Samaritan and the innkeeper has become like a formative story that shapes what we do. Because what we imagine is that there are people lying in the ditch all over Wilson County because of their own choices or because just life is hard. And Jesus brings these injured, battered people to us and says, here, take care of them. And here's the resources. If you need anything else, I give you more when you come back. So if you look at our logo, um, it has two coins in it. And that's growing out of Luke 10, 35, uh, which familiar verse, but just want to read that one verse. Um, the next day, 
He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. That's a picture of what we view ourselves doing as we're caring for homeless people. Is Jesus is saying to us, here you go, take care of these people. Here's, here's the resources you need, and if you need anything else, I give it to you when I come back. So that, those two coins are our logo. Um, look at the Compassionate Hands logo. It's two coins, and we imagine Jesus saying, here you go. Do the work. I'll give you what you need. So, so it has been a fun experience of working together. If you think about the innkeeper, there probably was, as Stan already mentioned, a whole group of people that were involved in caring for that injured man there at the house where he stayed and people preparing his meals, attending to his wounds, and watching his, uh, you know, if, if he had any kind of donkey that wasn't stolen. <laughs> um, he, uh, there was a whole staff there caring for this person who was beaten and battered, and that's very much the case with Compassionate Hands. Uh, like I said, we've got about 40 churches. Uh, some churches have great buildings that they can open up and house people overnight. Other churches don't have a great facility, so they maybe send a bus driver or they'll send uh, medical people to help out, or they'll provide meals. So our program every night, well, last winter we estimated it required 175 hours of labor to do one night's homeless shelter. Wow. We did that every night for 15 weeks, 175 nights, um, 105 nights. So yeah, tons of volunteer hours every single night. This winter is going to be more because um, COVID situation has having us redesign our program. So yeah, homeless ministry is too big for any one church, any one ministry, you have to work together. So yeah, love is communal, as you guys have said. And John, I, I, I seem to remember that some of those other people that are involved that you're talking about, you know, you're not just providing people a room. You're helping people find jobs. You're helping people get their driver's license back. You're helping people uh, have m several things you can probably that I'm not thinking of right now that you're you're doing to actually help people get back on their feet. So the hospital analogy I think goes even further than just the staff. It goes that these people don't really want to stay homeless. They want to they want to to heal and to move on back into society. Right. Correct. Well, you know, there's probably 10% that they like being homeless. That is, they're homeless by choice. But 90, most people don't want to be out of the elements uh, when it's, you know, blazing hot, when it's freezing cold, when it's raining. It, most people would rather be in shelter. So, yeah, we have uh, so many things that we're doing. Uh, our our long-range vision is to end homelessness in Wilson County. So we're, we have a group meeting to talk about young adult homelessness. What happens to young adults? They're 18, 19 years old. They've aged out of the foster care system. There's a step-parent who says, you can't stay here anymore. They're 19 years old and staying in their car. And that's just heartbreaking. So we've got a group of community leaders that have just started talking about, how can we end young adult homelessness in our family? Um, yeah, Stan mentioned, we, we help people get on their feet as we're trying to end homelessness. I mean, people have to have some kind of income, they have to have some kind of housing, and they have to have some kind of plan. You know, it's not just enough to get income, either a job or disability or retirement. And it's not just enough to find a place. You've also got to have a plan. At one time, we got a guy into a trailer 
And he was so proud of getting into that trailer. We even paid for deposits so we could go. And then the next day he called and said, hey, can you guys get there ride to work? The trailer that he had rented was about five miles away from his work. It was like, oh, okay, so we gave him a ride that first day, but we couldn't give him a ride back and forth to work every day. He lost his job in three weeks. So, like, he had income, he had housing, but he didn't have a plan that was workable. So we're, we're really trying to work with people to get income, housing, and a plan that's workable. Beneath that, yeah, you've got to have a birth certificate, you've got to have an ID, you've got to have transportation. Uh, so many things go into that. So we have a huge network of people that we're working together to try to end homelessness in Wilson County. Well, and can you can you speak a little bit to what puts people in the ditch? I mean, it's not it's not a cookie cutter situation, right? It's not only the 19 year olds that have the step parent who say you can't live here anymore. Right. Yeah, I would say for uh, homelessness that we see in Wilson County, which is probably similar to what you have in Sumner, uh, I would say probably a third of our people who are homeless there is an addiction, uh, alcoholism, or some drug that causes them to be kicked out of housing because their family to say you can't stay we're fed we're fed up with you you're done so a third would be an addiction probably a third there's a mental illness uh, they just can't get along with people and they lose housing because of the mental illness and it's untreated undiagnosed or maybe it's been diagnosed they're just not on the medications they need and then there's a third that is just bad luck uh, there's a hospitalization they lose a job um, they are out of work because of COVID. And those would be uh, pretty much equal thirds would be the causes of homelessness in Wilson County. So um, did that answer your question, Stan? But that's how people would become get in the ditch as far as homelessness. Of course, every story is unique, but that would be the three main causes. So yeah, John Grant, what, I, what one of the words that I kept hearing as I'm listening to you, and this is not a word that you use, but I'm hearing this as you're talking about the system that you have, and that's the word reimagine. And so I just keep hearing these beautiful ways in which your team is reimagining what it means to um, help someone in this healing process. So even with your very last phrase that you were talking about, last sentence, you talked about helping people with a plan. You're not just housing people for one evening and, and never seeing them again. There's actually an investment into the life of this person. And so um, there is a group of people maybe that are helping someone reimagine what life can look like and what, what life can be like and that there is hope. And so you're helping them reimagine future um, as you help them with a plan. You're helping them. You're helping others, churches included, reimagine what healing is and how healing can take place at the hands of a community. Um, I'm thinking about how a third way, helping churches reimagine how to use these large facilities that they often don't even know what to do with um, at, at times, right? So these, how to reimagine spaces. And so I, I'm just curious, I, I assume that when you all, all are together, that these things kind of come pretty regularly, but I assume that your team is constantly thinking about and reimagining um, what it looks like to be a, a community of people who help. Is that is that fair? Yes. Yeah, I would say uh, in 2020, we're all reimagining uh, what yeah. it looks like. All of us, we're having to rebuild how we connect with people, how we do work, how we do church. We're having to reimagine a lot of things this year. 
And you think about it, the Good Samaritan, he reimagined. You know, the Levite and the priest, they walked by. They were just looked over there like, oh, man, what a shame. That guy's beat up. I'm big, get on out. The Samaritan, he reimagines like, wow, that guy is hurt. What can I do? Mm. How can I change this situation? And yes, very much what we're doing is reimagining possibilities all over the place. And we have a lady who she has been homeless with us every winter, the last mm. seven winters. She's 64 years old now. Uh, she's feeble. She has bad health. And she has been homeless. I don't know how long. Um, she'll, she'll stay with a family member for six weeks, and then they'll get fed up with her, and then she's out on the streets. She's got some mental illness, and that makes her hard to be around. And we have some volunteers in our ministry who have just befriended her and loved her and said, no, we are not content to let her stay homeless. And just last week, um, got her approved to move into a, a senior housing unit, and the rent is based on your income. So she gets maybe disability income. It's a very small, I think her monthly rent is gonna be $70 wow. at this really nice, you know, senior living facility. Uh, it's not a, not a, you know, not skilled care, it's just apartments. And um, just the, that these people have not given up on this lady. She's, she's very difficult to be around um, because of the mental illness. And they've said, no, uh, we're going to befriend you. We're going to walk with you. We're not going to let you stay homeless. And so many times the, the homeless lady has given up. It's just too hard. I, I quit. And um, these volunteers have said no. How, hey, how beautiful is that? Can I, can I just interrupt you and to say when a person, an individual is at their wits end or at, the, at, at a place where they cannot even envision, envision what hope is, for the future and may feel hopeless for what it means for even a team of people in a community that loves to go, let us help you imagine what that could be. Don't give up yet. We, we want to help you with, even with that to help you see something that you can't even see that can be. Is that yeah. fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another guy this winter that um, he had applied for disability. He was turned down. You know, the first answer is always no to the government. And so, but we connected him with an organization uh, that helped him reapply for disability. And he got this huge check with back benefits from when he first filed. And I mean, it was just amazing. Like he couldn't believe it. So now I haven't talked to him in a few months, but he's able to afford housing. Wow. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, you just these sweet possibilities People have given up on life. They've given up on hope. And you walk with them and say, wait a minute. There's another way. There's a better way. Wow. Mentioning, you mentioned about reimagining possibilities. There's a group of people in Sumner County that I'm talking to about building something like Compassionate Hands in the churches of Sumner County. Wow. So, um, there could be a possibility of you guys developing your own room in the end of Sumner County. Wow some of these other churches are part of. So we'd love to talk to some of your people about that and connect you with that conversation. I was also thinking about, uh, you know, the, the reimagining that you guys are talking about. And I was thinking about the things that even though there are some personalities that, as you say, John Grant are difficult uh, to, to deal with, uh, there's also like those normal things in life 
of dentist trips and needing to go to the doctor. And I know that Compassionate Hands has facilitated days around things like that, right? That normally these, these people, not only without much income, but sometimes even without, uh, well, how do I say it? There's a lot of places that when they see them come in with all their possessions in a backpack or whatever, they basically just send them back out and say, you're, you're not welcome here or we can't see you because you don't have medical insurance or whatever, whatever the excuse is. Right. And you guys are also doing, uh, services around those types of, just just human needs, right? Yes. Yeah, and you know, you, yeah, that's a great point. There are so many basic things we don't even think about. I mean, okay, you're homeless, where do you get your mail? Mm. So, and we have a PO box for our ministry. Uh, well, I'll go check the mail today. There'll probably be a couple of pieces of mail to our, our ministry and probably seven or eight pieces of mail to a homeless person here in Wilson County. We're their mail service. Um, or if you need a street address, one of our churches will serve as the street address or a homeless person, uh, or transportation. I mean, if you want to get around Gallatin, get around Hendersonville, I mean, you've got to have transportation, but you don't have a driver's license, you can't afford a car, you can't afford insurance for your car. How in the world do you get around? So we give away a lot of bikes. Uh, oh, wow. Four or five bikes a month, and that's life-changing, because now you can get to work. Now you can get to the doctor. Yeah, we've done some medical nights uh, where doctors will come into the shelters on a weeknight, and that's huge. You know, just we've had a podiatrist, we've had a chiropractor, we've had nurses, uh, we've had just general practitioners come in. Uh, we have a whole medical team who is supporting medical needs of our homeless friends. So, yeah, there's so many basic things that we don't even think about that, again, you have to reimagine Wow, what would it be like to have no transportation? What would it be like to have bad health and no way to diagnose it? No insurance. Um, the doctors don't want to see me. Yeah, it's there. You really have to reimagine just basic living for our guests. So that's a great question. Well, and along those lines, the reason it's a little bit out of order, but you had said something about the opportunity in Sumner County. And I just want everybody to know who's watching this episode that, you know, this isn't just a, hey, Room at the End did something. We'll just do the same thing. It, Room at the End doesn't go out further than Davidson County, right? Isn't that correct? Isn't that why places like Wilson County and Sumner County would would consider doing something like this? Because it's, a, it's an expansion of the, of the area? You know, my, my understanding is that there are some Sumner County churches who keep guests from Room at the End. Uh, the people that I'm talking to in Sumner County are seeing homeless people in Sumner County who can't get down the room in the end for the room in the end program. So there are homeless people in your neighborhood uh, camping out in the woods behind your McDonald's or behind your Walmart. Um, they're in your neighborhood and they're, if you look around, you'll see them. And yeah, room in the end, mainly they're serving Nashville city homeless people. And there are suburban homeless people. We love it, you know, as the big city comes out to the suburbs, we get all these great new restaurants. And with the big city restaurants and retail, you get big city problems like homelessness, and drugs, and sex trafficking, and uh, a lot of the bad things that go with urban development. So, well, and, and just to clarify, that's what I meant. I mean, obviously, we do room at the end at Hendersonville, but those homeless people are actually – 
coming out to us for, for being taken care of, but they're from Davidson County. So your point is people who are in other counties would have to go downtown to Davidson County first in order to get on buses to come back out to counties that they may have in fact originated from. And that's, that's what I was. Yeah. And for, uh, for us in Wilson County, probably half of our homeless people, they are Wilson County. This is their home. They went to Lebanon high school. They went to Mount Jaria high school. Uh, you're, you're homeless people that you have in Hendersonville. They went to Hendersonville High School uh, with you. It's really interesting how often a volunteer will run into a homeless person like, oh, we went to school together. Um, so, yeah, so your homeless people who have no home in Hendersonville would still consider Hendersonville home, which seems really strange. And That's... really too far away for them to get the help they need. Well, what's ama- what I'm, I'm also hearing this, John Grant, and that is so – we mentioned an episode or two ago that as we've been navigating through this My Town um, series, and, and we've highlighted a different word um, each week. And so even as I'm hearing you say, um, there are homeless people in Summer County camping out behind your Walmart, camping out behind your McDonald's. Yeah. You're tapping into the harmony that comes into some of these other words that we've discussed at the very beginning we talked about how love is observant yes. and how love is proactive. And so what it requires of us to actually open our eyes and to be aware and attentive to the faces and the people who are walking around and yeah. the, the neighbors, our neighbors who are here in this city, in our town, in your town that are, that are in need of help and how beautiful it is to see a community of people come together who have been observant and go, we want to do something about that. And who has spent the time reimagining how to do something about that. And the fact that there's no way one person could do this by themselves. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. You have to work together. And, and I love what you're saying that you have to see like the priests and the Levite, they chose to look the other way. The Samaritan chose to look at the problem mm-hmm. and, what one challenge that homeless people feel and experience is they feel unseen. You know, mm. standing at the intersection, nobody wants to look him in the eye. Everybody turns and fiddles with the radio when they see him standing on the corner because they don't want to make eye contact. So homeless people, they feel like they're a non-person because nobody wants to see. Nobody wants to wrestle with, oh, there's a homeless person in my neighborhood. Mm. So, uh, yes, seeing is really the beginning of reimagining. You have to see the problem before you can reimagine a different way of responding, which is, again, the Good Samaritan. He saw the problem and said, okay, I'm going to do something. Jesus sees the problem, and he's like, okay, church, what will you do? I have these people in your community with great needs. How will you serve? Uh, And how would that change our conversations, John Grant, as a church body? to be raising these kind of questions. What does it mean for us as a church to reimagine who we are as the church and to reimagine what it really means to be a good neighbor to the other, to reimagine what it even means to be a neighbor? Um, How, if those were the conversations that we were having on a regular basis. Yeah, it it really changes how you view your faith when you think, you know, God loves everyone in my community. And God invites me to love everyone in my community. And this person who looks so beat up and so battered, this is a child of God. Oh, an image, an image bearer. 
And to, I mean, to, to go to go to that depth that that we're talking about in, other image bearers mm-hmm. uh, in the world with us. Yeah, yeah. Jesus wears some very uh, painful disguises mm. sometimes. Wow, I, I am. John, I'm just grateful. I mean, I, we have talked before, and I, was, I have not had the opportunity to be with you in the ministry of like like Stan has, and um, it's and you and I have talked off and on, but it is really good just to hear you talk about the passion that you have for this. Obviously, all and and to, and to for you to be attentive and aware of the stirrings that the Holy Spirit was putting inside of you so many years ago. Um, to, to, to open your eyes and to want to be involved and reimagine what that kind of work could look like in Wilson County and look, and, and look at the fruit that is coming from these stirrings. Yeah, it has been so exciting to watch. It's been fun to watch how the churches were part of this, how it has revitalized those churches. You know, when just a half a dozen people start saying, okay, we're going to keep the homeless people at our church every Monday night. And, you know, six, 10, 12 people start to, befriend local homeless people, um, your your view of homeless people has changed and your view of yourself has changed and your view of God has changed as you realize, oh, okay, there's this problem. God invites me to be part of the solution. It's really life-changing. The fruit is so rich. Well, and maybe based off that, I think I'll, I have maybe one more question and I'll, and I'll, I'll quit talking because I think we could talk all afternoon. You're also, you've mentioned several times the number of the variety of churches and the number of churches in Wilson County that are coming together. It's not just your team. You have a team, but you're also working with a team of others. So in what ways are you watching new relationships be cultivated and fostered with other churches in your community that may have never had conversations before? Oh, that's been so rich. You know, I mean, we've got, at one time, we counted 16 denominations that were working together, and we've lost count. It's kind of hard to know what denomination are these uh, non-denominational churches out there. So, um, But it, it, what has been so exciting and so rewarding is to see, uh, you know, churches of Christ and Lutherans and Catholics and Baptists and Methodists and Episcopals, all these churches um, serving the poor in the name of Jesus and we get along. We, we actually have become friends. <laughs> these churches. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the friendships. Well, and, and I remember a moment, this was about four years ago when one of our homeless ladies died during the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, and, and we, we had a funeral for her. And after that service, uh, there were two reactions. One was one of the homeless people said, wow, you guys really do care. The other was one of the volunteers said, you know what? There's something unique here. When the churches come together to throw a funeral, there were, there were 50, 75 people who came to this homeless woman's funeral. And the volunteer said, okay, there's something really different here that transcends any of the congregational boundaries. And that's been wow. So you, wow. just, uh, you just gave me chills because I'm sitting here thinking that that might be a modern day example of the gospel of John chapter 17, because, you know, when, when we are unified, the world takes notice and the world notice, Hey, wait a minute there. Those Christians over there aren't arguing with each other about something. They're actually coming together and doing something for another human being. Now, un- unfortunately, 
uh, you know, for the people left behind, left here to, to continue on without the, the lady who passed away, uh, it was for a funeral. But man, if more things could be like that to where we are more about the God we all believe in and worship and the, the destination we know we're all going to and being unified on the things that are the core tenets of Christianity, then all of a sudden love starts to be exhibited in a way that people take notice, like you said, John. Yeah, yeah. A wise man once said, they'll know that we're Christians by our love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who was that? <laughs> I think his name was Jesus, John 13. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You heard of him? <laughs> I think so. Yes, yes. I love it. Stan, I love your vision. Is to imagine, yeah, this is what heaven would look like, where it's not the congregations arguing and competing. It's just we're loving our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And that begins to feel a little bit like heaven on earth. And that's so exciting. Wow. That's wow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I have nothing else to say <laughs> to that. Whew. Neither do I. Man, John Grant, thank you so much and this this may just be our segue to kind of and and to end this conversation right but what we do hope is that in these conversations we do hope that we are cultivating and fostering um other people's imaginations to go off and start spinning and start wondering um and to wonder maybe again for the first time in a long time about how okay what does it look like for me to be a good neighbor what does it look like for me to join with others in this kingdom work. So I hope that there are others who are out there listening who, who say, man, what's that thing that may be starting in Summer County and what's going on in Wilson County. And there may be someone out there who's been praying about opportunities like this and they may hear something like this and go, Hey, they may call Stan. They may call us. They may call you and say, how do I partner? And so I look forward to some of the fruit that can come even just from a, a small conversation like this. But John, I, I, I'll maybe, maybe Stan closes out with a prayer to pray over you and the ministry, but just thank you so much for the continued relationships that we have with you and blessings on your family as you guys continue to walk through this season of life. But you, you can, I know I speak for Stan when I say that you are, you are a blessing to both of us um, from a, from a personal perspective as a friend, but also in a ministry partner. And um, we just, uh, we, 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 we can't thank you enough for the relationship. Thank you. And I feel the same way about you guys. Thank you. Well, thanks. thanks, John. Yeah, let's uh, let's close in prayer. Thanks, man. Father, thank you so much for this time to have this uh, rich discussion with John Micah and John Grant. And thank you for uh, compassionate hands and for John Grant's heart to to walk out of a of a stable uh, career from 13 years inside a a church building on church staff and to move out into something that's uh, he didn't mention it, but I feel probably quite scary and uncertain. Um, but that he heard you and saw the people that you placed in his path, the people who were asking for nights where they could spend the night in church buildings, and there wasn't an easy answer. And in a county that didn't have uh, a, a, an easy way to to reach out to those people who live there, um, but don't have a home there, so they're unhoused, but they still have their home in Wilson County. And now as he's, as he's identified to us here tonight, uh, on this my town episode that they also exist in Sumner County. May we have our eyes wide open, uh, as this good Samaritan did to see the people who are around us that you're 
putting in our path. Um, and may we do what you call us to do, to love them as you've loved us. And we just ask for continued vision in that, continued Christian courage to take the step to take action. And most of all, uh, this evening, we just ask for continued blessings on John and Amy Grant and the Compassionate Hands Ministry that they lead and live every day. Uh, we thank you so much for the discussion tonight. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. And we ask to uh, continue to be able to, to see the opportunities where we either see him or we entertain angels, either one unaware. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Thanks, guys. guys.